Welcome to the Surly Horns Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 22, and we have lots to talk about, especially when it comes to recruiting, the effects of recruiting with the name, image, and likeness. And then what does Surly have anything to do with name, image, and likeness? We're going to talk about all that, but first, RGB3, how you doing? I'm doing a lot better now that I've showered. Um, so uh, this morning started off. Um, Congrats on the sex. Kind of rough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, I wish. So um, this morning started off a little rough. Um, decided to take my daughter to um, school. And she decided that she would prefer to vomit all over me. Um, so I my kids go to a church um, school. Basically, we pulled up. I got my oldest out. She's cool, whatever. Um, get my youngest out. Uh, she's perfectly fine, perfectly healthy. She's not sick at all. And she proceeds to burp and then just cover me in vomit from my shoulder blade all the way down to my torso while I'm carrying two backpacks and their nap mats and basically everything. The only thing she had to eat was um just milk so it was just pure curdled milk all over me from my fucking neck down to my shoulder and i get to drop my oldest off and i say you know hey i'm not dropping my youngest anymore she vomited all over me and all over the parking lot just take her they're like um sir you you have you have baby vomit in your beard so um, I decided to, <laughs> I, I walk back to my truck and I take my, I pop my top off, pop my shirt off. I'm like in the church parking lot. And I'm like, all right, I've loaded her up, get her back. Titties I out. hose her off the second I get home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, but it was in my shoes. Somehow it had gotten into like my boxers. It got into my socks, everything just covered in milk, baby vomit. So now I've showered. Um, I'm going to have a margarita and I'm going to feel a lot better about myself. <laughs> I I had a, a much better experience with my child this morning. Went and got a haircut, and then just ate burgers, and it was fun. Uh, That's much better. It's really yeah, nice. Yeah, I I I'm really enjoying the weather in nearly mid July. We're not even at ninety. We're eighty five, and it is a little bit more humid. But this has been nice. Yeah, no, keep that rain coming. Yeah, people bitch about the rain. Oh, it's raining, it's raining. Fuck that. It's it's you normally it's 110 with 100% humidity anyway. Just keep it raining. Keep it going. Give me an excuse to sit in the AC. <laughs> so we have a we have a special guest for today's podcast episode. Let's give a warm welcome to Close to Jumping. So so guys, I met RGB3 yesterday in person. And I have to tell you, for anyone who's listening, he's a, a vague, not even really a vague. He's a he's not a bad doppelganger version of Tom Herman. That's what everybody keeps saying. I don't see it. I, I don't see and it. It's terrifying to meet him and have him sitting there talking. You keep expecting him to start being condescending and declarative. Hey, uh, I, I think uh, I think it was that uh, Kendra Scott was sitting on my lap. I think that's why I look like Tom Herman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I missed that all this time that we've been doing the podcast together. Uh, I don't know I how I, I never identified. I heard it on the shotgunning beers thread. Everybody said, oh, yeah, it looks like a slightly chubby version of Tom Herman, except Tom Herman himself is also slightly chubby depending on what photo you look at and yeah. he's like some kind of weird like animorphs character where he looks different in every single fucking picture and yeah. hey, guess what you're gonna hurt his feelings because i hear he listens to your podcast yeah i'm sure i'm sure tom hey if you're listening go fuck yourself 
<laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Hey, Tom, uh, you know, fuck you. Go die in a fire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, winning's hard, guys. Okay. Winning's hard. Really, really hard. You know what else is really hard? Fucking recruiting. Yeah. It's hard on my liver right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not been very hard on the Surly Horn servers. I'll tell you that. People <laughs> are, are not super stoked right now. Um, let's talk about some general sports first, because there are several championships uh, apparently that have either happened. But nobody gives or, a shit. Are, are near <laughs> happening. Yeah, pro sports is great. NBA Finals is fucking boring as shit. Who's even watching it? I mean, Giannis isn't even playing, right? It's like no, he is. He uh, just... or, or I guess he played in game two, right? I think he played in both. I think he's. I think he's played the entire time. But I know he's been trash and he takes like 15 seconds to shoot a fucking th- free throw which is just unreal that's unreal it's very good um are they is it owen two or do they did they play last night in milwaukee i don't even know i haven't even paid attention this is when i jump on espn this is the only way i can figure out what the fuck's happening with basketball all i know is is sometimes i get alerts and all it says is cp3 of course lots of baskets and uh the suns are winning games suns in four that's all. That, I mean, Suns that guy will. Four. If the Suns actually win in four, that guy will go. You really think that? I mean, they're oh. up two nothing right now. Well, you saw the guy that that uppercutted the other guy, right? And he said Suns in four, and then he uppercutted the other dude. <laughs> was he a Clippers fan or a Nuggets fan? <laughs> no, he's a Suns fan. Oh, well, that was when they oh, were no, 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 yeah, the guy was when they were playing. Yeah, I don't know. There's a Clippers fan, I think. <laughs> Probably deserves. I think. I think they're gonna. It's the NBA. It's rigged. So yeah. the the Bucks will win these two. They'll push it to six it's, or seven. It's, it, it's got to get a six or seven. Come on. Yeah, you would think because there's nothing else on. I mean, shit. Right. Hockey's Even over. Even the ratings are terrible. There's no nothing else going on. Congrats to the Lightning because the Stanley Cup is now decided, and that was a blowout, gentleman sweep. It was a gentleman sweep. They actually let them win yeah. that last. They. They actually let them win to not embarrass them. Uh, yeah. That game four. Um, if my Golden Knights made it, it would have been a fucking series, but they didn't. So I'll just deal with it. Deal with my pain. Did you see that? Whoever runs the Stanley Cup Twitter account, because there's a there's a verified Stanley Cup Twitter account where it's like the, you know from the perspective of the actual trophy itself. He like added <laughs> uh, Tom Brady and was like, "Don't throw me. I'm too heavy. Yeah, I'm too heavy. Yeah, I'm too heavy to throw." <laughs> and then and then Tom Brady tweeted back. Yeah, Brady's response: uh, "It's you're a lot lighter with tequila, basically." <laughs> yeah, he said. He said everything's a lot lighter with tequila. Um, all right, so uh, moving on because that's all there is from other sports, really. I mean, I guess the baseball, MLB. Well, well hang, hang on, hang on. We can we can talk yeah, Astros can. all day. I can absolutely like. talk Astros all day. Um, Did they win last night? Sure, I, I, sure I, I turned off the game no. uh, when they were down. No, yeah, in the fifth inning. Otherwise, no. they're just wrecking that ass. Last night, yeah, was yeah, it fucking sucked. But we're gonna we're gonna fucking wax that ass today. It's Garrett Cole, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm grinding. Yeah, no, we're gonna wax that ass tonight. Hey, Garrett Cole, well, you so can't the All Star game, mine's already more bitch. The All Star <laughs> game. Well, I mean, yeah, and then you've got Trevor Bauer, who's like beating up women. Oh, uh, yeah, couldn't happen to a better Trevor person. Bauer. Fuck, let me let me get on a soapbox here for a second. So uh, we've always heard, you know, people in glass houses not throwing stones. Um, his stone is fucking rape. And assaulting women. <laughs> You're, he's he's the most outspoken motherfucker on the planet about every fucking issue in baseball. He has to be baseball's fucking savior, God's gift to fucking baseball. And he's punching women in the ass after he chokes them out and like butt fucks them while they're 
unconscious? Yeah, buddy. Um, you should be in jail, and I hope you enjoy your prison cell, you fucking bitch. I, I fucking hate that guy. I cannot stand Trevor Bauer. And anybody that supported him, fuck you too. It's it's bizarro world. I don't understand. So you're saying fuck all Dodgers yes, fans absolutely. as well then? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Fuck Dodgers right. fans. Fuck Yankees fans. Fuck Boston Red Sox fans. Fuck basically anybody that's not an Astros fan. So eat my balls. <laughs> I'm with you. Eat my entire fucking ball sack. What I don't understand, and this is similar vein to the, the Sean Watson stuff, is that there are ways why? to do this. I mean, I don't. I question less the why, but more there are ways to do this. Whenever you make a hundred million plus dollars, to, to just make it go away, right? Just do it with somebody that's okay signing some documents that say you're going to punch them in the back of the head after you, you know, fracture their skull. So I have some legal advice for Trevor Bauer. Um, just go on the sugar baby thread. And you will find somebody willing to have whatever you would like to do to them done to them. Um, actually, if somebody wants to tweet the the thread to him, that would probably be good. I can't. I've, I've been blocked for like three years by him on Twitter. Um, but somebody <laughs> else should blocked? send him. How did they thread. block you? Uh, I think I just called him a bitch or something. It wasn't as good as, as like, I feel like I had some more heat that I could have laid in there. Um, and I was a little disappointed I got blocked so early because I had some more shit to throw out. Well, you know, magical Jeff Ketchum <laughs> on Twitter could text, could, could tweet him. <laughs> That's correct. true. We do have our favorite <laughs> Jeff Ketchum Twitter, Twitter burner. So... <laughs> Which needs to be more active. That absolutely, like that's that's that absolutely has to be one of the most active. If we could just combine the Surly Horns Twitter and the Ketchum Twitter, it's a thing that needs to happen. <laughs> the technology exists. Well, you know, seriously, we, we've struggled keeping up with it because of lives getting busy and whatever. But um, it's not something like we give another person or two access if they want to be active. They can carry the same tone. But our plan this fall. Uh, is to just run it over. <laughs> like, I mean, because we're, you know, like everybody else, ready to get back to something um, a bit more active. And college football season, you know, this year should be, I I'm hoping for big things. That's probably too optimistic, but we should have um, some fun. All right, it. I have an idea. Yeah. All right, let me see. Jeff Ketchum has also blocked me. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I called him an oatmeal cream pie puta, and he bo he blocked me. Um <laughs> But the current at Jeff Ketchum, so I have a, I have a plan now. We have to get at Jeff Ketchum verified on Twitter, and I don't know if his is verified or not. But we need to get <laughs> we need to get our Jeff Ketchum account verified before him. We can't even get verified. I was going to talk about that. Twitter denied us. Yeah, it was bullshit. Wait, Twitter denied him? Denied us. We no, they denied verified. us. They denied oh. Surly Horns. Yeah, we're trying to get verified, and apparently. Surly Horns isn't a big website. <laughs> he, so he tried to get our Twitter handle. This is years ago. He tried. This is the audacity of somebody who has delusions of grandeur like this, like that dude. He goes. He he went to Twitter to try to get our handle banned. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, who are you? And, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, he a pseudo celeb. He's gonna anyway. He's gonna name himself the real Ketchum or something like that. I mean, we could do an entire podcast of just going through um, Jeff Ketchum. Um, oh, he doesn't have Surly Horns blocked. That's good. That's a that's a that's a good thing for me to know. I can get blocked twice. So, <laughs> what's really but, funny is when we were we were going in hard on that OU guy. Oh yeah, the other night that I kept getting warnings before I was gonna tweet, 
it was like, are you sure? This has abrasive language and may get you banned. And I was like, send tweet. <laughs> Who are you going after? Some OU site for some, some reason after. Yeah. Some fucking idiot sooner that we just. It, the funny thing is the Surly Horns Twitter, if y'all don't know it, that are listening, it's me, Rick, and Bob are all on the same Twitter. So um, who knows who's firing what off? Um, normally it's me whilst drunk. <laughs> so either that or like Pinkerton's tweets and I just retweet it because I'm hungry. But I do have some good, uh, just for people that don't know about the at Jeff Ketchum um, Twitter handle that that we have. Um, here's some of the, here's some of the gems. Um, I can't smell the difference between my burps and my farts. <laughs> <laughs> My balls have the meat sweats. <laughs> there's, there's nothing as freeing as taking a dump outside. <laughs> These are back in quarantine. <laughs> oh, there are some gems. Look, man, all, all that credit, the vast majority of that credit goes to Sydney Garden because yeah. it's ridiculous. And he's... Um, yeah, he's been the, the driver of it, which is the problem. He had a kid, got married, had a kid. So you see this total fall off over the years, <laughs> but he's threatening to come back this fall. So we'll see what happens. Uh, here's, here's, here's my favorite. Does anyone know? <laughs> God damn it. Does anyone know where I can buy ham by the bushel? My ham guy. <laughs> <laughs> my ham guy retired at 34. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag starving. Oh, I forgot about something. Oh, those are really good. Sorry. Those are really, oh really good. We've got a, um, I think uh, there's some interaction that, that needs to start happening there for sure. <laughs> That's so good. Along the lines of, uh, of this. We do have some good news to report. I have another. Let me do one more, and then we'll and then we'll cut. We'll cut <laughs> I'm sorry, man. The hand thing. I'm just crying. Jesus. I'm, I'm yeah, keep going. I'm. <laughs> His hand got retired. <laughs> what was it? Retired at 36. Here's a good one. I'm clenching my butt cheeks so hard that I've sweat through my couch. Wings were a bad <laughs> Uh, be, I mean, it would be cruel if it was anybody else. Yep. Fuck you, Jeff. That guy and what he is, the damage he's done associated to his actions around recruiting and so forth for Texas. I've, you know, not, I mean, no love there whatsoever. Just so don't, that shit's don't steal from charity golf tournaments and be a fat piece of shit. <laughs> it's not hard. It's not, I haven't done it. I'm a fat piece of shit, but I haven't <laughs> stolen from a charity golf tournament. So. <laughs> Let's get back on track. <laughs> so Texas won the director's cup. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. This is, I guess. This is I don't good know. News. I didn't really know what it was because Stanford won it like every fucking year that's ever existed. Right. Like it's never been. This is the first time we won it. Right. Um, yes. Yeah. They won it 27 years in a row. Then we won it. The team that won it before the, the school that won it before them was North Carolina, I believe in 93, 94, 92, 93. We're always even as, even as shitty as we've been over the last 11 years as a, I say we, the, the program we root for, as shitty as it's been in many different sports over the last 11-ish years, you know, still finish in the top 10 most of the time during that run. And before then, it was always like a top five or a number two. 
but Stanford has 33, 34, uh, you know, sports. So they excel in all the Olympic stuff and, you know, they produce a lot of Olympians. So it's all great, but <clears throat> it's a bit imbalanced when Texas has what, 18, 18 or 19 sports. Do you guys follow the not, I mean, I don't mean like religiously, but I mean like when there's news, when there's games, if it's on TV, do you follow stuff beyond like football, hey, baseball, basketball, women, women's we, basketball? We were a volleyball podcast for like three whole episodes. Like, yeah, yeah, we're all about it. Yeah. 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 I follow all those threads that the guys start on the other sports um, forum, the, the Texas other sports sub forum. And some of those guys are really into it. Um, you know, they're really good in terms of like talking around sort of strategy and recruiting and what, what have you regarding like women's soccer, the, the both men's and women's tennis and track and field and stuff. And I mean, look, at this point, the, we don't know what we have with Sarkeesian and his staff, right? We, we're hopeful, but we haven't seen anything yet. Baird, it's the same thing, although Baird's team, they look like they're taking no prisoners. Oh, yeah. looks like a <laughs> I have a lot of confidence in what's happening there. And then women's soccer. I forget the woman's name. Kelly, I think, is her last name. And she's just done nothing for forever with a bunch of talent. And she has brought in, like, the best class in the country. So at some point, you have to think with the way – Del Connie's handled other non-revenue sports. Like if she doesn't get it done like this year, I'm assuming you. contracts up. Yeah. Let's move on. But that's about it. Every other sport, man, they're excelling. It's exciting. Eddie Reese is coming back too. We were talking about Eddie yeah. Reese retiring. He's coming back for another year. He wants that Coach K retirement tour. I knew that he was back around the program. I didn't know that he was actually going to come back and yeah. coach. He's back, back. Yeah, he's yeah. He rescinded. Oh, so they can't. Uh, maybe On they Twitter, just couldn't find a successor, and he was like, "Well, I'm not going to let the program go to complete shit." Yeah, I don't follow. I mean, I follow it to see the results, but I don't follow it like knowledgeably to like know what happened or anything. But I, <clears throat> frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if they were discussing on the Eddie Reese's coming back thread because. It won't surprise you guys. It might surprise some other people. There is an Eddie Reese's coming back thread on Surly. Yep. yep. No, it's uh, that's good. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it's good. Uh, he's a fucking champion. So, oh, hey, look, our IT guy, um, his feed crapped out again, which is always my favorite part of the <laughs> podcast. It's it's this happens basically the past like four or five podcasts is this guy is the tech wizard and his internet sucks and mine's awesome. So <laughs> it'll be back. In does it still, does it still get recorded? Are we oh, still, yeah, on? We're still on? And normally see, normally okay. I don't have another person to, to riff off of. So I just go on a tangent for about five to 10 minutes of just me talking about probably shotgunning beers or barbecue or just getting drunk. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is, this is a nice change of pace that I actually have somebody to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> You know, for context, we're we're less than two weeks into the Wild West, the opening of a brand new frontier regarding name, image, and likeness for athletes, college athletes, and <clears throat> it's pretty exciting and also very disturbing to think that Texas is not where we thought it was going to be coming out of the gate, underestimating the opportunities and scared of what they may mean to the athletic department. Yep, which is years. on brand. Yeah, we had two fucking very on brand. Oh yeah, totally on brand. We had two full years to figure this shit out. I mean that's. That's yeah. that's the crazy thing, and it's like now it's resorted to uh, me and CTJ and and Sydney Carton and, and other guys getting together at a Mexican restaurant and trying to figure out, hey, how can we fix this? Um, because we've been caught fucking flat-footed when we had two years to do this, like you know. And now we're talking about like, hey, how fast can we turn this around? How fast can we get something moving? Because. Oregon is dropping fucking six figure NFTs on motherfuckers heads right now. It's crazy. It's wild. It, 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 for context, further context, like 
where it is, and you know, people can choose to believe what they want to believe, and that's all fair. But um, from those who I'm, you know, familiar with and have relationships with offline, like outreach into the athletic department, I don't want to run anybody over on, you know, in public here, so to speak. But reality is, sounds like. Longhorn Foundation people and Del Conte himself don't really want to have anything to do with any part of the NIL realm. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because there, there's some sort of scenario here where they're thinking that if uh, NIL is successful, that they're going to have less money coming in from donors. Um, because I think that's folly and misguided if that's what they're doing. I don't know if it's just they're scared of some premise around the NCAA showing up one day and saying, ha ha! After the NCA has already said, basically, follow your state rules. We want no part of this. And we have an enforcement arm of like three people and a hobo. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> I, I, don't, I mean, it's just sort of classic Texas cowardice coming from non-on-field, non on-court leadership. Um, and it's really disappointing to see when there's a ready and willing sort of multi-tiered, I, I believe, donor base who'd like to help out we'd like to start putting money into players' hands legitimately for, you know, producing <clears throat> content for them or making appearances or what have you, which is all <clears throat> all perfectly above board now, you know, since July 1. And there's nothing to be scared of from that front. And if, and if you know, somebody does do something wrong, well, that'll be obvious and that'll be reportable and people learn lessons and move on. Um, but the premise that other schools aren't going to be aggressively taking advantage of this in every way, including, including corrupting it in their own way, you know, is absurd that that is all going to happen and not participating and not being active is not an option. It's re that's a ridiculous notion. Um, so I'm hopeful that we can organize and formulate a strategy and approach as a alumni base, that there's some leadership that steps in, you know, my understanding is there's a willing, there's a willing um, set of people to put money forward from anywhere from, you know, your people who could put in five bucks a year <clears throat> in a crowdfunding scenario all the way up to major donors who'd like to contribute um, and and make sure that guys like B. John Robinson and other stars, Texas quarterbacks, whomever, can have, you know, basketball players, you name it, can have an impact on their businesses and also have you know, a reciprocal impact where they actually get compensated fair market value. And some of these guys can make some real money and a lot, almost all of them, if we do it, if we were to do it right, could make some money. Um, and that would be leveraging also the power of our brand and size of, of the, of the, of the donor base and a competitive advantage compared to the vast majority of other programs out there. But yet here we are with uh, nothing but, you know, our dicks in our hands, it looks like, from coming from the AD side. Yeah, that's what it seems like to, I think, most outsiders at this point. And it's it's exhausting, you know, for me to watch. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not a big money donor where I'm like, hey, here's a million bucks, Bijan. Advertise my shit. Um, but, you yeah. know, I... I don't want to sit on the sidelines. I feel like especially, you know, even with just the Surly platform, um, there's enough that we could do to help and benefit the program that we should be acting on it. But, you know, we're caught just as flat footed because our leadership was caught that flat footed. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, Texas itself has such a powerful brand and such a, a powerful name. It's like, well, how do we monopolize that? And how do we, you know, get the most bang for our buck per se? And like you said, you know, we have the big money donors that, you know, can take care of the Bijans and stuff like there's no reason why some crowdsource stuff, even from Surly, can't take care of, you know, the backup tight ends and, you know, the defensive line. You know, So here's the here's the one thing is I know that the university and boosters can't be in directly involved in 
facilitating or explaining or going out and finding uh, sponsorships and deals for these guys, but they can give them at an at utexas.edu email address. That's like NIL football at utexas.edu. And they can be like, hey, this alias is going to be like for the football team. And there's no coaches on it or anything. And anybody can send an email like saying, hey, we're interested in blah, blah, blah. And then if the player reads it and they're like interested, they can reach back out to said person that, that reached out to them. Right now, there's no that like the athletic department needs to do something that isn't direct facilitation, right? It's not, I need to call the guy that I know in the athletic department or somebody that I'm giving money to at Texas X's and being like, Hey, I want to talk to Bijan or, Hey, I want to talk to the Overshun. It's more, I just want to reach out to the program. I have no idea how to fucking get a hold of these people because it's impossible to like, unless you're on campus, how the fuck is a grown man? who has a business or woman or whoever going to get a hold of any one of these players right now, access is mainly the issue. <laughs> and, and there's been no mechanism for access because nobody's been able to pay these players to do anything for them. So there was no reason for that access to exist. And there was actually a pretty good reason to prohibit access to the program where right now, what we want to do is open up access so that these guys can talk to business owners they can talk to people interested in either providing, uh, you know, dollars for in exchange for sponsorship or appearance fees or autographed memorabilia or even just uh, any business opportunity that has to do with that player's name, image, or likeness, like a video game or, or you know, there there was a lot of really cool stuff that came out on day one, like that video game platform where you can play games with your favorite uh, player and. I feel like Texas just whiffed so hard on setting up some way to open the communications to, to people that could legally talk to the players. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> well, a couple of things on that, Rick. So one, like they have signed up and allowed access on open doors, but it's a very like um, disconnected, um, non-curated, um, I would say in personal way to try to establish some sort of way of working with a player or players. Um, and it, and um, it seems relatively cut and dry. So not a lot of room for nuance in there either. And I think organizations ultimately going to be key. And your point about whiffing on things, it, it looks like as far as I've seen, I've read and understood it, Texas uh, based on the consulting and so forth over the past few years has been focusing on enabling players to understand sort of, um, here, here are your risks. Here's sort of uh, how to think about contracts and taxes and other things. So they've got some sort of background for players and context on that. And then they were they were assuming the focus on all this was was going to be about social media and merchandise. And very clearly, you know, it, it it obviously Oregon has competitive advantages against everyone else because it can be oh Phil Knight the booster did this, but really what did he do? He probably pulled a tiger team from Nike's marketing department offline for six, for six months or a year and said, how do we enable, how, how do we get creative here and monetize things for players? And they came up with the strategy that we're seeing in very early days unfold, which is well, one simple straightforward way is an artist does an NFT with a player and then 
boosters like you buy it and pay them and that's all reasonable and, 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 and perfectly doable. It had nothing to do with someone posting something in social media. It had nothing to do with selling merchandise, right? Well, NFTs are, are, the are technically, of, right? It's it's merchandise. That'd be like buying a, a, a poster of the guy. Sure, sure. It's memorabilia. But I, I mean, not. it's not like they've uh, their own clothing line is my point, right? So it's the purest form, if you get, really want to look at it, of name, image, and likeness compensation. Guy in a uniform, stripped of the school stripped of um you know logos but still the colors so you know who you know here you know who who he is with his number and he you know he give he gives his image away to an artist who then sells it and leverages it and he and he winds up making a the kid winds up making a hundred thousand dollars on it um and i mean yay for them that's repeatable everywhere by the way but the trick is i mean it's not like that there's there's a patent or that's ip that you know is uh can't be copied. Like every other school should be looking at how to do that right now. Uh, RGB3 and I talked about this yesterday, where in reality, if you sign 20-ish guys on average every year as a program and you paid them all um, some money for an NFT each year, call it a reasonable figure, call it two grand. And it's one their first NFT as an adult athlete. And many of them never come to fruition as a star or an NFL player or what have you. But if you play the math right, Okay, and a school like Texas, as poorly as we've done putting guys in the NFL, the math should still work, especially the good staff, where some of these guys do go on to become first rounders or collegiate superstars or go to the NFL. That NFT, when auctioned off, is worth a lot more money down the line and probably pays for all of the other NFT work you did for the backup guard and the backup tight end and the third string safety. Okay, and those guys all get compensated and you can lock it up in the blockchain where every time that NFT after auction is resold or reused for for pay, you as the seller and the athlete get a percentage of the proceeds. You know, so it's it's a and that's the thing about Thibodeau's deal. He's going to make money on that potentially for the rest of his life. Anytime that that something like that's reused in some purpose or resold, he's probably a part of the compensation structure in the blockchain for it. Yeah. that that's a great deal for everybody. It's a like a digital baseball card, right? Or football card in this instance. Every, the, the the guy's getting paid. The the buyer is not getting gypped. Like they know what they're doing when they're paying that money. The artist makes some money. Like that's great. We should be looking at that as a. I mean, frankly, it's a business model. We if you get down to it, it's a reasonable bet. It's not a lottery ticket, but you could come out in the money every time every year you do it with those players. And it's just one thing the players are getting. Right. It's not, you know, it, it's one thing out of 100 if it's being done right. It's a layer cake for them. Well, and I feel like so for me, I think the biggest opportunities are merchandise and memorabilia like that. That's what all the pro athletes are doing. And then obviously the big, big pro athletes get endorsement deals that are worth, you know, seven figure plus a lot of six figure plus endorsement deals. Um, like who knows how much Marshawn Lynch gets from Skittles for doing really ridiculous yeah. shit, like <laughs> filling a, a, a car full of Skittles and then like showing up and just like hopping out and Skittles spilling out all over the, you know, the street in front of him. The, those types of things can now happen at the college level. But I think that right now it's really easy. How do you get a hold of Marshawn Lynch? You call his agent, right? And so yeah. you get a hold yeah. of his agent. <laughs> the agent says, yeah, yeah, this is the going rate. It's market because that agent has other players or works for an agency that represents a ton of people. And it's not shady when Skittles approaches somebody like Marshawn Lynch to do something 
that's our like funny stunt like that. That'd be fucking insane for anyone to do in the, the number one, the college realm right now, because it's just kind of the wild west. But number two, it's really unclear whether or not they're still allowed or not allowed to have agents. And if they can have agents, how much of that has to do with purely the endorsement and merchandising stuff? Because would that be just a business manager and not an agent? You can't do anything related to sports or the transfer portal or right. How much from boosters from other school can reach out and want to sponsor you because of your personal brand. Maybe they just like you because you're a good football player. You get into this really weird fucking world that has no precedent no regulation, and it's an opportunity for schools like Texas to really come out and say, this is how we're going to get our players to maximize their brand value from a memorabilia, uh, appearance fee, whatever, and <clears throat> like educate the team and, and not be directly involved in hooking up the boosters, but, but creating some mechanism where it is a lot less shystery and just like, it still feels like backroom deals that are legal now. And it yeah, I mean, that's what we were talking about at lunch yesterday. We were like, doesn't this feel a little shady? Like, how are we going to pay these kids? And but it's all above board now. It's 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 just like a new world. I've, we've been taught something so wrong for, you know, so long. And and, you know, I think, you know, you're mentioning like Marshawn Lynch and the Skittles thing. I think what we as, you know, surly, you know, user, um, we're not going to be sponsoring B. John Robinson, you know, and doing a Skittles deal. I think the biggest thing is like, how's Alfred Collins getting taken care of? How's Keandre Coburn going to get taken care of? Like, I feel like that's the biggest area. Like Michael Dell would probably, you know, be jerking off his little wiener at the thought of B. John Robinson, you know, running through a fucking stack of Dell computers or some shit. But is he doing the same thing for Alfred Collins? Probably not. You know, who's, you know, arguably just as valuable as a Bijan Robinson to the team. You know, how is, you know, Kelvante Dixon getting taken care of? Those guys that aren't the flashy, the big names, you know, the guys that you're not hearing on ESPN. How are those guys going to get taken care of? How's, you know, um, but I, I think know, this, this, this kind of um, you know. and this is what we're going to see when the free market shakes out is uh, nobody asked how tight end X on, you know, the Miami Dolphins. Nobody asked how fucking good that guy's endorsements are compared to Tua, right? The, right? the whole thing is the way that this should shake out is good players get paid for their name, image, and likeness. And then other players should benefit from their personal brand and, and being a player for someone's favorite team, right? And I think that's how some right. of these position group things could, could end up working is – like some people maybe just like really are into offensive linemen, right? And then you have yep. like your favorite school that, that you say, hey, the offensive linemen are like super cool. And I want to make sure that the offensive linemen always, you know, call out some some restaurant and my food's good enough for the offensive linemen to want to eat there. Um, yeah, because I think it needs to be mutually beneficial. But I think you'll 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 see this race to the bottom over the next couple of years where it really is going to turn into the, the best players get paid and the best players get paid more at the programs with huge booster or huge alumni bases that can afford to, to pay for those. Um, I don't I think, think um, that, that NIL is going to going to turn into uh, something that's just everybody makes a whole bunch of money in college athletics. No, definitely not everybody. Well, well hang on. I, I do think you're thinking – 
you're not thinking big enough in, 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 in a, on a little bit of this because I, I think just what you're saying is right. However, there are large schools, Texas included, that if they're doing it well, can create a scenario where it's not officially an endowment, but it's handled like an endowment for key positions. And as far as the rules go, you can't just uh, generically assign money to a position. It's got to be assigned on a yearly basis or a semester basis to a guy on the team, specifically a guy, right? Now, the way you figure that out, the way you work through that is you're like, well, whoever the starting offensive guard is each year, whatever, insert name, they're getting this stack of money from our mechanism for distributing it. And these are the expectations they're going to have. There's six businesses that they're going to be involved with who have signed up and, and posted money into this thing on an ongoing basis. And they need to make an appearance fee in the off season once a month. Um, that's, you know, announced by them on social media and, and the, um, the entity, whether that's a golf course, or a uh, restaurant or a car dealership or what have you. Um, and then there's products, you know, as well. And then there's an NFT component, but where you want to take it is there's enough money coming in that it's then invested soundly um, for the purposes of distribution over time, right? And grows much like the Longhorn Foundation does and endows things actually for the program. Um, and and then what, what you wind up with, as you can say, uh, a coach could reasonably say to, Hey, offensive guard recruit X, there's nothing for you as a recruit, right? Um, that's not what we do. That's not what we've ever done. However, guys who come to Texas and start at offensive guard over the last five years have averaged $33,000 a year in additional compensation, which is a decent salary out of college, right? It's decent money when that with, to go with everything else you're doing. And you have to work for it, but it's not unreasonable, right? It's social media. It's showing up somewhere. It's eating good food. And I think you can rinse and repeat that kind of concept, but you have to be organized to do it. And I think only a few schools could put it at a level where they could make that argument on at almost every position. You know, Ohio State, trust me on this. If I know anything about recruiting, it's that that will start, some version of that will happen, however corrupt or non-corrupt it may be, at Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, LSU, like they will all, A&M, they're all going to do that. Um, and so there's no reason for us to sit out on it. It's all it's all fine. We don't have, I mean, maybe they're using it as, a, as an above board way to just give people money as a bad game. But you don't have to like, we, we could still have the same amount of money that we're offering to people where it's actually ethically and morally and legally fine. You know? Um, well, so I think so, for, for something like that, you would, you would almost want... Uh, the sponsorship. So like you have sponsorship requirements and right. So to qualify for this, uh, some sponsorship opportunity, you need to have started X number of snaps in a game, at, you know, for, for one of the, it can't be performance like, yeah. based. Yeah. You can't, yeah, it can't be, it can't be performance based by the way. That's the problem with that. You, you just have to basically, you're, you're taking some chance. Or yeah. Name the starter on a depth chart. Right. Picking. I don't know. Um, yeah, you're picking a person. I think I think the coolest thing is like the thought of uh, doing, you know, even with us, we talk about crowdfunding, like doing a Surly, like Surly sponsors the tight end room. And there's four fucking guys, five fucking guys, five tight ends every single year. And hey, here's your Surly endowment money. And it's, you know, oh, everybody gets or, five or, grand. Or it could be that, that, that we say Surly, like we really like tight ends at Surly Horns. And yeah. we want, 
we want the, something on the podcast. Right. We like, love tight ends. Yeah, it's called the tight end room yeah. or something. And and yeah. they get on for an hour a week and just talk yep. tight end shit. And and yeah. people... You could do like some kind of like AMA stuff. You have the podcast rolled into it. You have, you know, happy hour <laughs> appearances. Like, you know, you can you can make it like some fun shit. Um, and yeah, hey, Surly. And then the coaches are able to sell that. Yeah, hey, have you heard the Surly fucking... The tight end fund that they do every year? And it's everybody gets 10 grand um, hold, per year. And you have to make there. a podcast appearance. You have to make, uh, you know, a happy hour appearance. And then you log onto the website and you talk shit. You know, this and, is funny. And like that's that's yeah. something you can sell. So this is this is a kind of a funny idea. Is what if because you can pay players now to to offer like because it's part of their brand and they know how to be a tight end, right? We could have like a fat old guy tight end camp, like some weekend somewhere yes. where we like pay them to come great. out to some ranch, drink beer with us, and like you know show us how to run tight end drills. Yeah, that's and and shit like that. That's what we need to be taking advantage of because that's that's fun for the players too. Like it's not just like some shit that the college kid wouldn't want to do. Like, you know, obviously, eighteen year old Jatavian Sanders is not going to be drinking beer. Uh, law law uh, enforcement individuals that are listening to this, but um, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, but if they're over twenty one, yeah, drink beer and then throw a football, and and that's something that they benefit from. It's something Surly benefits from. Even the podcast benefits from. Like. Hey, it's above board and and you determine market. Yep. That's the other thing, which is the difference between a free market and what will happen with college affinities on this stuff. The key difference is, you know, you're going to say, not Rick, just you, Universal U is going to say, look, guy showing up who's uh, part of the team eating at my place, that's worth a thousand bucks to me. And if random other guy shows up who's known around the city and shows up and, and wants to get compensated, you may only pay that guy a hundred bucks to, to tweet about it, right? But that's your choice and that's you making the market as a business owner. There's nothing wrong with it. No, no one can come in and say, you don't have a legitimate business and your intent with the player wasn't legitimate as well. That, that's what people need to get their head around. It's like, it's fine. You, I mean, it has to be worth it to you as a business owner, whoever you are or owners. Um, but if that's the case and they and you can legitimately show the work the player does, like they did show up or they did tweet or they did in TikTok or Instagram, you know, um, the regimented set of time, it's indisputable yep. across the board, IRS, everything. I would love to, I, so what I would love to do is, is pay certain players that we really like, and maybe we choose them before the game. Maybe we choose them during the game, but, uh, essentially some mechanism where we could reach out to the members of the team and be like, Hey, we don't like the the typical press conference that happens. It doesn't have to be immediately after the game, but we have a, a really large community that, that wants to ask you questions about the game. And that's worth a lot is, to the community. Right. And that has direct for sure. value right. for the site. Um, it, it'll, it has a lot to do with our brand at, at Surly Horns. And then all it is from these guys is is just talking about how they felt about minutes. certain plays or minutes. Uh, how they felt about you know the game in general or the strategy. And the idea here wouldn't be um, necessarily to put anybody's shit on blast or have something contrarian to the traditional media, but it's just another sure. it's another outlet that I think would drive traffic to the site and be beneficial for. 
the players that don't get as much face time in the press conferences because only certain players get asked questions. We could just be like, hey, we want to talk to like the left tackle because they had a fucking sick game. Yeah. It, it's the tight end room. That's what I keep going back to. It's like, you know, you pick a position group and it's like, hey, the tight end room sponsored by Surly Horns. And they do happy hours. They do Sunday night wrap ups or something like that, where it's like, hey, Sunday night. Well, tight yeah, end. to build on to build on your point and Rick's point, to take it a step further and think about where the doldrums are for 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 your for the site on a regular basis. Right. You've got the spring and the summer of off season where players also have more time. Or you can also have sessions with the guys like once a month or something where, yeah, you can do the AMA. You can also do, hey, who is the nastiest guy you dealt with last year on the field? Like those kind of things. And then, like, what do you make of the schedule? Looking in reverse so that you're not getting them in trouble for shit-talking someone looking forward. But, like, what did you make of the schedule last year going into the season? And what did you make of it throughout the season versus the competition? Like, at what point were you or were you not watching the college football playoff? How often do you watch – other teams play just all that shit that we have no idea about as fans um, that would be fun that, you know, is something interesting in the off season that's it would get caught up in sort of the, you know, the churn of the, of the season in terms of the minute by minute, new information is always popping out on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, plus just updates um, on spring practice updates on, you know, you know, yeah. recoveries and injuries and that, that sort of thing. It's just, it's yeah. The, the thought of sponsoring, um, a, you know, kind of a certain group, um, that can be involved and active in the community, get paid for what they're doing, get paid for their work, and then have that work like be shown like, hey, look, these guys are having fun, um, you know, to recruits like, hey, star tight end recruit, look what these guys do with the Surly Horns guys. They go on a podcast once a week, you know, they take turns or something. Um, they go do a football camp, they go at a happy hour, you know, they barbecue or whatever, you know, whatever it hap- you know, hap- all entails, um, and they make X amount of money. And that's something that the coaching staff at that point can even even, you know, can use. Um, and it's kind of crazy that, right. you know, a lot of people don't think like they're thinking, oh, yeah, I can't wait for Bijan Robinson to get a million dollar fucking NIL deal where it's like, hey, you know what we could do is like, hey, guys, let's fucking here's all you have to do is donate 20 bucks a month and uh, you get a fucking bumper sticker or like a car sticker that says Surly Horns tight end room fundraiser or some shit and um, you know you get to be involved you get to be active and it only costs you 20 bucks a month and it helps the program it helps y'all we get more engagement everybody has more fun it's and, it, and all it costs you is 20 bucks a month I mean fuck that's easy I yeah. mean they're well think about it, just layer that into by the way happy hours where uh, or, or a lunch since you get rid of the, the booze part yeah. of it and just host a lunch in Austin where a guy comes as a guest and talks talks to folks, uh, you know, one Tuesday out of the month when it's not a schedule conflict with whatever's going on with the program or his classes. And in that kind of context, you know, he, you can ask real questions, yep. right? Like stuff that they wouldn't say in public, stuff you wouldn't say in public, where one on or one on thirty sort of premise, people kind of pay to attend, and then that guy gets paid for showing up. It's another way in which this stuff will can and will work. I'm not saying Surly should do that, but that, that's another way in which these guys are going to ultimately be able to rely on that kind of value from different programs. And I think, you know, it's just that's one part of how ultimately they, if, if, if that's just one part of how they're ultimately compensated, you know, you can get to, like I said, a layer cake of payout for work, for output that even the backup guard could say, well, shit, man, I'm making I'm making money comparable to what a guy graduating college is making this year while I'm getting to, you know, go to school and have fun and play football. Yep. Like this is 
it was a pretty good deal that I couldn't be getting at SMU or Oklahoma State or Colorado, right? And so the um, that dims down some of the value in transferring. If you have a freshman or sophomore who's chafing to get playoff but to play time, play uh, uh, game time action, um, but you know if suddenly it's like, well, and we don't want them to leave. Yep. The offset of like, well, shit, if I leave here for that, you know, my 40,000 bucks basically in salary is going to go to five. Yep. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll suck it up for another year and see if I can't get started. Yeah, or the opposite of now, like, that's ultimately some part of the value for the big Or program. even like Brennan Eagles leaving his junior year, or it's like, you know, hey, um, I want to go jump and make undrafted free agent money right now, or I can stay one more year and I'm still making 40, 50 grand at Texas um, and see if I might be able to slide into the fifth, sixth round. You know, um, yeah, you know, it, it's 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 more incentive to not just come here, but to stay here as well. That's right. That's the fringe guys. And I don't mean fringe talent. I just mean guys who aren't the Texas quarterback or the Alabama running back or who, you know, the, the marquee positions and players are always going to be able to reasonably say when they sign on the dotted line for their um, LOI, you know, they can expect a quarter of a million to a million bucks. I mean, Arch Manning, when he comes, whatever school he goes to, is going to be making Texas, over a million bucks a year. So we already called that recruitment. Done. We already called it Texas. Okay. But the guys who are going to be third, third or fourth round picks who eh, I'm going to sit out, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to leave early. I mean, does 70 or 80,000 bucks for one more year kind of, and a chance to move up the, uh, up the draft ranks, change their mind. Not to all of them, but it, you know, you, I think we'd be crazy to say, it wouldn't help. Same thing on in baseball and basketball, specifically baseball, where it's like, well, if I get drafted in the eleventh round, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to get a thirty thousand dollars signing bonus and then make eighteen thousand dollars a year. And I'm a junior. Do I really want to come back for one more year? Well, if you're getting thirty thousand dollars to not do that and ride buses and play at Texas and continue to get all the uh, ancillary benefits we know um, baseball players tend to get, then uh, you know. It's suddenly you've made it, you've changed you've changed the way these guys think about uh, the programs that they're at um, in the later stages of their career versus the minor leagues. It may not may not make, make as much difference in basketball, but I think in, in, in certain roles in football and definitely in baseball for the non first through third round guys, I think you know if you do it right, eventually you can be there with some of these programs. Agreed. Yeah, well, and I think that there it, it is also going to bring more value to. Uh, you know, people who are the MVP of a bowl game, um, any bowl game, not just the big bowl games, right? So getting MVP of a big bowl game or a, a sponsor, right? You can get paid because you are now, you can now say credential-wise, you're the MVP of the Independence Bowl, right? Or the the Texas Bowl or, or whatever. And, and We don't play in those anymore. Bowl. Yeah. No more Alamo Bowls. <laughs> Shit. That's our permanent residence. People say Omaha's the uh, our home away from home. I'm pretty sure it's San Antonio <laughs> in late late December. Oh, <laughs> about right. Okay. All right. Well, so let's let's switch topics a little bit from away from NIL. Um, although NIL will have an, an effect on recruiting, not directly. These are these will be all indirect effects that right draw people and talent to specific universities, hopefully Texas more than other people. But like you said, Oregon, what did this do for Oregon whenever they got a recruit that wasn't even considering Oregon a week before, 
Then this this NFT shit goes down. They move up their recruiting uh, commitment date to July fourth, and then and then whammo blammo, we've got banks going to fucking Oregon. One thing you have to consider is that Oregon has historically been corrupt over the last like sixteen years. The Lake Sea Strunk thing forward, there's there's literally proof of it, and. You know, the, the thing that their approach to things from that perspective hasn't changed would be absurd. Now, the bad game's probably, in my belief, fundamentally going to change or, or dissipate um, when NIL becomes relatively mature for most programs, frankly, because the incentives to cheat for the programs are going to be weakened. Um, the coaches don't like doing that shit anyway. So if they've got an excuse not to, it doesn't matter how bad an uncle wants to get 40,000 bucks for a, for a signature. It just, it's going to be harder to find. So Oregon will shift from that, but that's still a product in this recruiting cycle and probably the next recruiting cycle. But what they did was basically, um, you know, they, they sold the NIL piece to recruits effectively and theirs look different than others. And then out of the blue, draw your own conclusions a couple of guys have suddenly decided they're going to Oregon above all of their choices. I talked to someone who basically said, look, Peroni's full of shit. It didn't come down to Oregon and A&M. It came down to Texas. And then what the fuck was Oregon getting this guy? And that's how it went down. So take for what that we will. I'm not, uh, I'm not making any excuses. I'm not getting explicit other than to say Peroni's a plagiaristic douchebag. Who's full of shit. And I've said that plenty of times. Um, he's stolen directly from me over the years. And, you know, I'm not even vaguely a paid reporter. So fuck that guy. But yeah, uh, he was wrong on the AM part of it. So uh, that that does take us to one line item in our Surly Horns podcast agenda that the 995ers are all fuckhead bitches. Fuckhead bitches. Fuck you. I'm so I'm so mad. We talked about this yesterday at lunch and I'm still fucking mad. I, I put a big post on the on the 995er thread i think or one of those recruiting threads and especially inside texas you know i i, I like jerry hamilton um i'm sure uh, uh ctj has things to say about you know the rest of the guys i know he likes jerry but um they changed their fucking tone it's it pisses me off um because they were sunshine pumping like nobody's fucking business and now they're pushing this narrative sark can't close sark can't close um basically trying to make themselves look better for their wrong predictions instead of just owning some of their shit um i'm sorry see i'm just gonna give i'm just gonna pass uh close to jumping the 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 mic here and just let him go tangent (laughs) well the problem the problem is for me i I know and like some of the people involved in the recruiting landscape and consider them friends. I will say when you look at, when you look at uh, IT in particular, I think it's not really any new development. I mean, when things are going well, um, Naylan is, uh, it's, it's one guy to me. Naylan's witty and he's all knowing and he looks, you know, he looks like he's got his shit together and it's great. When something goes sideways, he gets condescending and prickly um, and really there's no reason for it. This isn't some guy who's been a champion of the people or has made a fortune or anything else that merits condescension amongst the fan base who are paying him money every month. And they are probably in many ways, a lot more successful than he is on different fronts. So to me, he's been behaving in that way for years. It's kind of the way I think about like Nebraska fans where it's like when they were winning every, Oh my God, Nebraska fans, they're the best fans. They're so amazing. 
such wonderful people. Now they've been, you know, in a worse steaming shit heap than what Texas has been over the last decade plus. Their fans are as unremarkable as every other fan base. They get they get persnickety, snarky. You know, they turn against their own regime. If you deal with them offline, you know, they've got nothing but negative things to say about Texas, nothing but negative things to say about Nebraska. Won't admit any folly at all in moving to the Big Ten when it's obvious they have no 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 rivals, no allies, nothing. It's just about money and nothingness, and they're just going to drift forever in the abyss. But, you know, back to the analogy, like that's when, when, when everything's going well, it's easy to look like a genius, um, a soothsayer and a good guy. It's when things go sideways where, you know, it sort of reveals who you are. And every time there's a recruit that doesn't go the way they thought it was going to go. He knew beforehand you're stupid. They gave you hints as we've told you all along. You should have known about it. Right. It's over rinse and repeat. So and that's the issue there. The issue with rivals real quick. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's just he, he, he doesn't leave his gravy crusted concrete <laughs> recliner, you know, to watch his a game. mobility you know, scooter doesn't get out outside of Austin. That's for fucking sure. Right. I, I don't think he's I don't think he's seen a game in over a decade because most places aren't accessible via rascal. <laughs> you know, at least um, we have those bleacher seats. So, and, you know, I hope they don't ever get get rid of those. He'll never be able to sit in an actual folding chair. Yeah, at 24-7, look, I mean, Roach works hard. Um, and eating. And I think, I don't know the other guy very well, Harris, but I, I don't think they're, you know, washing machines work hard is the problem. Like, you can't get a read on jack shit coming from those guys. They're, they're, they, don't, they take less chances than, uh, you know, the United States Treasury. <laughs> like, there's just nothing going on until af- after something's declared, they show up with an opinion. So, you know, I think... Obviously, I think IT right now is doing better work than the rest of them. I think what they're going to do with on three is a big deal. But yeah, the past two weeks have not been good for them because some of the shit that's gone down hasn't has made them look wrong. And I mean, people also I'll say people aren't reasonable on this stuff. It's like recruiting, you know, is hard shit winning to predict. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Recruiting is hard. And so winning yeah, winning's a lot more controllable. He's got a lot more control <laughs> well, over winning. You have a lot less control over recruits. 18 year old kids. Well that's the thing. Especially if you're not cheating and other programs are cheating. Because I mean there's multiple instances over recent years, including what's happened in this cycle, where they did think they had somebody, whether it was Herman or Mac Brown or or what we're dealing with now with Sarkeesian, where they thought they had a guy and magically he winds up going to LSU, A and M, Oregon, Alabama, Georgia. You know, George. We had. You know, I'm not going to name names on this, but everybody who pays attention, and gives a shit, will know. And we had a guy who uh, stayed for a Keely week. Keely Ringo. I'm going to name and, names. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we could talk was, about Demarvi and Leal. We could talk about uh, Demani Richardson. Yeah. We could talk about D- Demon Demas. We could talk about a lot of folks, and I have no problem calling those names out. <laughs> but if George is going to pay Mama two hundred thousand bucks, what do you do? Yeah. You move on. Wow. Well, I, I think that the so there's a lot of changes happening all at once, right? So the the first of which, which is predates NIL, is the one free transfer thing. So schools can't yeah. block you now from transferring within your conference and playing that next season, right? You you can just fucking say, I don't like this school, I don't like this shit, I don't like what's going on here, I don't like my playing time, and you can just chunk the juices and go play somewhere else. That's how it was looking 
now you combine that with NIL and it's like, what does signing a recruit even do besides number one, either getting the privilege to burn their red shirt, right? Or number two, um, getting them in the program. And if they don't get starting time immediately, they just bail. And so I think you're going to start seeing people get a lot more gun shy about some of this dark money because it's actually more effective to reward people who are actually good at football once they do commit than it is to take a flyer on a guy who's going to get one free transfer. And if he is any good, go to Texas or somewhere else that has way deeper pockets for the bigger, better marquee players. Well, I will say one other thing. It could just double the bad game instead. So now, you know, a player goes to Georgia, um, gets 200K just to sign with them. And then, hey, one free transfer goes to Texas or not Texas because we're not paying anybody another 200 fucking thousand dollars. But, you know, hey, go to, you know, Georgia and hey, here's another 200K. So it's, you know, it's moving that bad game to the transfer portal more than anything. Um, and that's, you know, that's where you do hope that NIL is kind of a, the great equalizer at that point where it's just like, you know, hey, we got to use this. Sh- you know, we we have these things to provide you. Um, you know, yeah. instead of, Hey, here's 40 K under the table. Hey, here's red McCombs. Um, he's got an advertising, you know, a truck advertisement for you, you know, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's right. I'll, I'll say this. I, I do think, um, you know, people may not like hearing this, but one, one organization you can look at who's already taken the approach Rick talked about and doing it with great success is Oklahoma. So Riley and, and crew are recruiting, of course, and they're going after big game, but they're also leaving significant space open on a yearly basis, it looks like, right? And I think this will continue to evolve for going and getting guys in the portal who've already proven that they can yep. play at, at the, at the co- collegiate level and have their shit together, who, who don't, who, who don't want to spend two more years at UAB or Colorado State because they can actually play in a P5 program and start and that's a that's a number better spend on your 25 than the the fringe guy from Edmond Oklahoma who may or may not turn into a left tackle or he may just be a long slow guy on at the back of your roster for forever right um so I think they're doing it well I think actually Sarkeesian and crew did a pretty good job of it too obviously Baird's flipped it on its head in basketball but I think I think the transfer aspects of it um, are going to be pretty important for certain programs who are then going to sort of dim down some of their approach on the recruiting end. I think they'll keep keep going after the four and five stars, but rather than spend your last five or eight scholarships on, you know, trying to discover a, a, a diamond in the rough, you just go and get a, a guy who's already proven himself to be shiny for one of these non-P5 organizations who's a starter and an all-conference player in the Mountain West or the whack or Sun Belt or whatever, right? I think I think that that's and that's going to crush those schools. Oh, too. for sure. Well, and, and the culture, the culture of the portal is going to change a lot as well because number one, you can't just go and approach random athletes. They they have to go into the portal um, before you can just like go and, and hit them up as a staff. But I I think with this free transfer thing, people are just going to like every season. After if you haven't burned your one free transfer, you're basically a free agent, yeah. right? You can test the yep. waters of the transfer portal with absolutely no penalties. Yep. I mean, hell. Hey, the other thing, the other thing, 
Well, the other cool thing about that, by the way, if you're if you're allotting not like Jake Spavital and allotting um, <laughs> that was so good. you know your whole scholarship allotment zero to transfers. <laughs> Yeah, but if you're allotting five to ten, sort of a year on a yearly basis for guys who you know can play, the other thing is when they get to your school, guess what? They can't then go somewhere else again with the same impunity. They have to suffer through a, a second transfer, uh, meaning they'd sit out a year and they're another year older. So it 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 really well, is and, kind and of a preferred, all the old transfer right? rules apply, right? Where you could block an in you could yeah. block in in a conference transfer. Yep. So that that part, no one's really talking about, but may make it even more valuable on those scholarships that you're allotting than the risk you're taking with with new recruit who comes in. Like, let's face it, I don't know how how close. I know you probably know this RGB three, but Rick, I don't know if you've seen this in the threads. But one, I'm not going to go there in terms of like running them down as a UT guy, but a big time guy who's on campus now um, is already showing signs of like. He ain't going to make it like he's not going to stick around for the hard ass shit that he's facing. That wasn't what, was, what he was expected. Um, and so all that effort and energy from two different regimes go in into signing the guy. And now if he's not playing and getting it, you know, getting what he wants this year, who knows what that means for 2022 and beyond, you know, is that, is that, and that, and if that guy's a five star, is that more valuable than finding the guy at call it Louisiana after this year, who is a tight starting tight end to catches 45 passes and six touchdowns, but you know, wants wants to play for somebody bigger. I'd rather have that guy in 2022 than the whiner who's like complaining that he needs it his way. I think a lot of programs are going to start seeing things like that. Happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can even point at, um, what's the guy, New Mexico state, Devin Richardson, you know, and now you're hearing all these big yeah. things about him. It's like, yeah, well, and he probably was probably New Mexico State's best fucking player. And now, you know, he's a depth piece at Texas for the most part, um, you know, but he has three years of eligibility. You know, he showed that he can fucking right. play already. And now he still has three years of eligibility. It's like, well, do I want this guy that's a complete unknown for four years or this guy that's a proven player for three? I mean, it makes total sense. Right. Well, if it's Jaden, yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> Blue is more than an unknown. <laughs> we don't even know if that guy's going to play his senior year yet. <laughs> He's definitely. I, I bet he does. I'm sure they're. They, I'm sure the staff told him like, "Hey, buddy, just fucking either make up with your coaches or find somewhere else to play. Like you're playing fucking football." Because they even called out quitters before, like, "Hey, if you opt out of a bowl game, you're a fucking quitter." This guy opted out of his entire fucking high, senior season. There's no way that the staff's yeah. gonna be cool with that. Yeah, I think he's the next Jake Smith if he shows up. Just sort of opts out of, you know, committing fully even after you're on campus. Speaking of Jake Smith. Uh, for really shocking developments in Jake <laughs> we Smith's it. football yeah. career. The easiest thing yeah. to uh, call he ever. Is in, uh, yeah, the University of Texas, uh, Southern California branch. Yeah. Jeez. Hopefully he moves to safety and Todd Orlando has him blitzing on third and 17. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my only hope. <laughs> I find that whole thing baffling, man, because it's, it, it, if like Texas was Texas of the 2000s, and in a, in a program like USC, we we're picking up guys who are transferring on mass. That I could make sense of that in some form, but it's not like we've been just you know covering the programs we covered itself in glory over, right. over the past few years. So these guys like all going to follow coaches who, frankly, failed right. here. Yeah. 
other than Carrington. I'm not saying Carrington failed, but um, the rest of the, the staff all, o- over there, like it, why would you want them? And if I'm a player who has choices, why would I want to go there and, and expect different results? Yep. I don't know. It's weird. It is weird. It even like, you know, I guess it must be Carrington that's, you know, Pied Piper leading them that way. Cause like what benefit is Keontae Ingram going to USC? Like what's, what's the benefit there? I mean, obviously he's going to take a back shot, you know, uh, you know, that he can still play John, but they were, they were definitely, he knew that he wasn't going to play next season. I figured he was going to end up like SMU or something like that. Just USC. It just, I don't know. You're going to, you're going to be in a timeshare there too. It's not like they're not, you know, recruiting over you. I I don't know. I don't, I don't get the whole USC thing. I think Helton's fired this year. I mean, everybody's been saying it for the past like four or five fucking years at this point, but I think Helton's, it, it time's gotta be See, good. I don't. I don't think he's get. I don't think he's gonna get the axe. I think. I think actually, this is gonna be another season where he's nine and three yeah. or eight and four the regular Just season. And is that enough? Because the USC alumni base and the administration at this point, I don't know. I mean, the alumni are different. Excuse me. So the the, the leadership at USC at this point, sort of Texas leadership in the late seventies, were like they'd prefer to de-emphasize a focus on sports in some ways. Because it's been scandal laden or underperforming or what have you, and they want to be an act, viewed as an academics first kind of place, and they have the whole molestation thing that oh, was yeah. going on that they're settling, having to pay a shit ton of money around. So every year people are like, "Well, this is the year uh, Clay Helton's going to get 86," and every year it's like he does just enough to sort of drift by off of inertia. You know, there's not enough momentum in another direction to send him out the door. And there's and who's your candidate? Right. Like Urban Myers at Jacksonville, it's like. Who's the whiz bang guy is going to come in and save the program now that that virtual sure thing is gone? So it'll be interesting. Yep, for sure. Uh, yeah, I can't believe um, their schedule looks like. I, I, I think the Pac-12 just Pac-12. It's, honestly, I don't know how Oregon got these recruits because the the Pac-12 fucking sucks. sucks. Like they are not sucks. at all competitive. They Even with the Arizona State thing coming and, out now, like. Yeah, like everything. I mean, Arizona State was like the – I mean, Washington's meh. Um, Washington State's nothing anymore. Stanford, Stanford. Stanford Stanford's not good anymore. Yeah. like Cal sucks. Well, look, it's Cristobal, by the way. Cristobal's a coaching buffoon. He didn't blow – he didn't he, did, he didn't blow anyone away at FIU or FAU, but I'm pretty FIU, sure it's FIU. Yep. Um, he was fine as an assistant at Alabama, but you're at Alabama, so how much credit do you deserve? It's the same problem I have with Sarkeesian. Um, and then at Oregon, he's had numerous blunders. Like he, he frankly just straight up lost the game to Stanford two years ago that they should have won. He snatched, he snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. They were four and three last year and stumbled into the, into the Pac-12 title game because of uh, Corona with Washington. And then they get blown out in the Fiesta. They, they were not no, competitive. Not the, I don't know how big of a blow. But the Pac-12, none of the Pac-12 teams are competitive with with. They're hardly even a Power Five conference, right? I mean, their yeah. their teams are bad. Their teams well, are just. Bad. I expect them to get blown out by Ohio State this uh, early oh, for in the sure. season. Like, well, what's crazy too? And then they'll go nine. And, they'll go ten and two in the shitty back. Yeah, they'll, they're going to whoop up on Arizona and they're going to whoop up on Stanford and everybody's going to pat them on the back and they go to the fucking rolls. But but so like even Cristobal like. I thought Justin Herbert was going to be a huge bust because I thought he was shitty at Oregon. And it turns out he's not shitty. Crystal Ball and Oregon are fucking right. shitty. He's a great quarterback. Right. He looked fucking fantastic yeah. with the Chargers with Anthony fucking Lynn as, a, as his head coach. Like, yeah. what what could this guy have done at a school with, you know, uh, somewhere, someone competent? Like, holy shit. 
you have them on each coast, right? You have Kirby Smart yeah. and Mario Cristobal who look like sort of earlier, maybe weaker versions of Mac Brown, where it's like recruit lights out for one reason or another. Um, and then win a bunch of games because you're out talenting guys. At least you can do, you can at least do that, which Herman couldn't figure that part out. So to their credit, they're doing some of that. But then when it comes down to any, anybody you go up against who's at, at your level of coaching acumen and staff acumen, you're beat. Yep. Um, and, you know, people say, well, Georgia went to the uh, national title game doing that. I'd, I'd like, I'd like that kind of coaching stupidity and fair point, but like, I've seen plenty of blunders from Smart, and he's lost guys from that staff and gotten weaker as a byproduct, especially at like an offensive coordinator. Yep. So we'll see. But yeah, I think the Pac-12, like you guys, blows, um, and I don't think this year's going to be any different. So I think um, there's something important in here because uh, related to recruiting, there is a lot of doom and gloom, you know, from both inside Texas on our board. Everybody's all pissed off. You know, the, the thread was on fire, added 20 pages a day before the banks commit. Everybody was in, in anticipation, just yeah, talking Brooks. whatever bullshit, <laughs> like the, the Urban Meyer or bus thread. And then, uh, obviously, commits to, to Oregon and, and we miss and the thread title changes are hilarious. But how, how does <laughs> Texas get back on track? Right. And, and I really think that it has to do with um, there's there's two parts, I think, to, to the recruiting part. There's how good does it sound to me whenever you come and, and talk to me and my family and, you know, pitch the program. And I think there are some guys that that is good enough for. Um, and and then you can get these verbals from that. But then I think another component um, and, and this is, you know, why National Signing Day, even early National Signing Day, is after basically the regular season is over, is these recruits want to see the results on the field that these coaches are telling them in their living rooms. And if they see something on the field that isn't what they were pitched, those people, especially if they're just verbals, are they're just going to open their recruitment back up. Now, if, if they see reinforcement, and so this is where it's kind of a double-edged sword with guys like Clemson and Alabama, um, those guys will keep all their verbals if they destroy everyone and go to the national championship, then it kind of solidifies everything. Some Somebody like Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher, right? I, I don't think that um, getting snubbed for the college football playoff or anything like that and still being the third best team in the SEC West, that, that's not really solidifying anything. Um, for, for those recruits, especially if somebody like Texas or um, somebody else that was really hot and heavy in that recruiting cycle does make the playoff over them. Um, I think you'll, you'll start to see a lot more of these shifts um, back to Texas if this new coaching staff with Sark can take care of business during the season. If they're like blowing people out, I, I think that some of these verbals that went somewhere else, they have a chance at actually coming back. The, the problem yeah you're, you're, kind of right. you're right it's a double-edged sword because it, on the one hand if they win I don't think they need to go to the playoffs this year or, but I think I think they need they need to win against Louisiana and Arkansas yeah. like if they lose either one of those games that's an early momentum stumble that they can't really uh, never mind the other programs 
specific to Texas, that'll be harmful. Now, if they went on a streak after that and won the conference, maybe not a big deal. But I think if they win those two, it buys them some credibility to actually lose to one of or both. None of us want this. One of or both Iowa State or or OU or even, you know, step on your dick against TCU and then come back and beat OU. If you've won those first two games, you know, I think there's some it creates some room. The other thing I I heard um, from one of my buddies is uh, repeatedly this this offseason when they've been out, people have been out talking to, um, you know, high school coaches. One of the things that they the the refrain they hear back is, you know, I can't remember the last time I had one of my guys come in after a weekend of college football watching and tell me, man, that Texas that Texas offense really has me excited. Like I, I really liked what I saw on that on, on, from them defensively, either side of the ball, <laughs> specifically offense. So if there's some of that, even if they're somewhat mediocre, that may offset some of it at the at the specialty positions specifically. I think if they lose, then um, if they lose to Arkansas and, and Louisiana, I think it gets ugly quickly. Um, but you know, my view, I don't expect that to yeah. happen. I think everybody's overrating Louisiana because they returned a bunch of guys nobody wanted. Um, and they weren't exactly just running through their schedule. It looks like Tom Herman coached that coached that team in the Sun Belt last year. They basically won all their games with like one score. Um, and the Iowa State thing was a fluke. And then Arkansas, you know, it's a tough place to play. I'm gonna be there for yeah, we it. Are. But I don't expect <laughs> I don't expect uh you know, them to become amazing overnight. They may get up for the game, but Texas has more talent. And I think the staff, I've, I have a lot of faith in the background of the staff from a coaching perspective. So, I mean, I'll be disappointed fundamentally if either one of those games are lost. Right. I don't think there's any room for a honeymoon. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't have a honeymoon period for for Sarkeesian. He's seven wins, Steve, until he's not. So he better win those two games. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, yeah, I think he's, honestly, he's got to. Yeah, it's yeah. a must. My biggest, my biggest the the what what lets me sleep at night is not Steve Sarkeesian. It's it's uh Kwiatkowski. I think that guy knows yeah. how to run a fucking defense and there's enough talent on defense that all all Sarkeesian has to do is put up thirty five. If you put up thirty five it's a win. That like I feel right. good enough even in this conference that uh, PK will be able to contain offenses well enough, especially you always see the new first year coordinator bump, um, you know, Orlando's first year, everybody was, you know, sucking the guy's yeah. dick. Um, and then, you know, we fall off a cliff, even Chris Ash last year. It's like, well, yeah, he figured out just don't blitz on third and 17. It's not fucking hard. <laughs> like, so he just showed up and yeah, got he just fucking showed up and he had all this talent. Well, now we still have all of that talent. We really didn't lose anybody besides uh bitch ass Caden Stearns. And, um, Osai. Oh yeah, we did lose. Yeah, we did lose Osai. You're right. We lost Osai, but but no, Alfred the, Collins. The, I think they're going to be Coburn. pretty damn good. Yeah, I think the defense is going to be better than the offense, and I think people need to be expecting that now. Um, is the defense should be? I think it should be number one in the Big Twelve. Um, you know, you can make an argument for Oklahoma or Iowa State, but I think they can easily be number one in in the Big Twelve in defense this year, and that's what gives me hope. Um, not you know if if Sark can just. You know, call the plays. They're going to be early bumps with a new quarterback, but all you got to do, you put up 28 to 35 points and we are looking good. That's all you got to do. Well, you're right, but I'll, I'll tell you, that's where having a stud running back, yep. um, some experience in a couple of key spots in the offensive line, although there's other spots that are holes, but at least we got some guys in late last year to, to show something. And then, you know, if they play Wiley, I think he can be a terrific tight yep. end. Um, and then I think everybody's underrating wide receiver. 
I think uh, we have better talent there than people are giving it credit for, especially if Worthy he looks like a beast. Has, he even vaguely lives up to the hype. Which, by the way, one thing on that I was I meant to say is like a lot of people wouldn't, like, and me included, have lived with this expectation. Freshman shows up, and you want them to just light everything on fire and roll through and just kick ass. And then they don't play for like the first six games with a player or two here or there. I was talking to a guy who who said, look, one of the key things that places like Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson actually do differently than other places um, and speaks to sort of their results, too, is when they're bringing some of these guys in like a worthy, they don't tell them they're going to start immediately. They tell them you're going to have some key plays. We're going to set you up to have some key plays early on in the season as you come along and develop. But you don't have to come in and 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 and, be, and dominate, and you shouldn't expect to come in and dominate from day one. So it's rare that they actually have a guy doing that in the first three to five games in in, in their freshman year. But to me, I'm interested in seeing you know do they handle sort of worthy that way, and are we going to see him get some key plays and some shots um, that he can then differentiate on? And I think Dixon's fast. I think if O'Meyer's healthy, I'm willing to at least. Wait and see. I think he was overhyped by the same people we were criticizing earlier regarding, you know, feeding the beast in the offseason. But we'll see. But I, I don't think it's, I don't think wide receivers, you know, as sort of more abundant as different people on Surly tend to think. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, no, think, yeah. But the linebacker room is pretty thin. <laughs> yeah. At least they filled that out with some trans. I, I agree. We got some depth at wide receiver, but the, the yeah. linebacker room is. is uh, question mark you yeah well i want to see that guy from new mexico state sadly yeah. like him and the tra- him and the, uh, the other transfer. yeah uh, ben davis ray thornton i think i think i think people are you know i think the depth depth concerns in general to me are pretty overblown because you have the portal is right there um you know obviously the portal like i guess deadlines kind of pass for that the free transfer but you know it's i i think you can survive a year um, with the current depth and then, you know, see where you need to pick and choose at that point. You know, now it's not like, oh, man, we got to recruit a bunch of inside linebackers because we have a, you know, we have a big gap there. Now it's like, well, we'll just go into the fucking portal and still, you you know, Utah State's best fucking guy. You know, it's it's it it, it, it leaves the world open to fill positions as you need them, even running back. Like I always hear like, you know, obviously we did great with, you know, hopefully blue makes it in. And then we have Jamarian Miller where it's like, you know, great. We have these two backs, but worst case and Eric gray hit the fucking portal this year, you know, who's was the number one transfer people are saying. And it's like, obviously he didn't choose Texas. He's go to fucking Oklahoma, but still it's like that guy hit the portal. So it's like, you can recruit a guy behind Bijan if you need to. You know, Keelan Robinson. We just got Keelan Robinson from Alabama, who's who looks like a stud. So, yeah, it's 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 the Wild West, man. And you can just fill it how you need to, um, especially if you do have a brand like Texas. And if it goes back to the NIL shit, and if we're doing what we should be with the NIL, it just makes the transfer portal even look even better. Hey, you're making not even a thousand dollars at fucking Utah State as the best player in your team. Come to Texas. Surly Horns is sponsoring the linebacker room, and here's forty fucking grand. Why wouldn't they enter the portal? <laughs> we should we should sit, we should tell, we should warn any any non P five program fans who want to listen to this podcast that they uh, can't if they have any heart issues or are pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're coming up on talking about this for quite some time. So we've got to save some content for future podcasts. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We'd be on here for let's, five let's hours. Move, yeah, let's move into one of everybody's favorite segments, um, the Aggie Fact of the Week. Aggie Fact of the Week, go cop uh, Kyle Umlang's book, 101 Aggie Facts, Things Every Longhorn Should Know. Um, today we got Aggie Fact number 34. At their current win rate, Texas is due to arrive at the 1,000 win mark sometimes during the 2029 season. Texas A&M will arrive in 2051. So we're looking at a good 22 seasons um, after Texas reaches a thousand win mark. Um, and that's, that's assuming that um, once Jimbo leaves for Baton Rouge and uh, after Orgeron gets canned and uh, they hire some slapdick, probably, probably Jake Spavital would be a great fit back in Aggie land. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's assuming they hire somebody competent that can even keep up with their current win rate. So nice. <laughs> uh, just, just always, always deeper and deeper into pathetic and you know despair for a fan base it's the best at, at least they've got yeah at least they got jimbo right yep yeah don't worry got jimbo don't care yeah got don't jimbo. care got jimbo <laughs> all right we gotta get into everybody's favorite segment do we do we have theme music yet like i said we need like tuba you know something. <laughs> we need the fat boy minute music <laughs> so i don't know ctj I'll, do you I'll listen to the sterly horns podcast are you familiar with the fat boy minute I'm, i have no awareness whatsoever so the fat boy minute is we just talk about food because we're fat and we're fat boys and we like to talk for at least a minute <laughs> about some food question of the week and today's question is rick i'll let you i'll let you hit us with it um okay we've got to do favorite slice not a whole pie right? Your favorite slice you've ever had, like where it was, what it was. And then the second is if you are going to order a, a pie, what is it, right? That, that you can get regularly, like not something that's crazy special. That, that's that's what the, the first slice is supposed to be about. Sweet. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give you yep. one. Um, that my favorite slice i've ever had is giordano's pie style in chicago in chicago there's several giordano's up there um with pepperoni uh black olives and jalapenos um and followed closely by anything i've ever had from luma oh yeah same place, Chicago. So I'm a Chicago guy on the on the pizza. That's good. Yeah, I'm I'm opposite. I'm the New York guy. So I love a New York style pizza. Um, John's a bleaker. That was my favorite slice I've ever had in my entire life. Um, yeah, John's. Yeah, what was on? Uh, it? Just straight cheese. I, so I like I like a good you know buffalo chicken pepperoni guy. I'm normally a pepperoni guy. Uh, whenever you go to John's a bleaker, they always tell you just get straight cheese like that's all you need it's gonna be the best slice you'll ever eat and it sure as fuck was like the sauce was perfect cheese was perfect cooked perfectly yeah it was it was it was fantastic um and then if i'm doing a whole pie um we have this place is called uh paul's pizza shop in spring and um it is fantastic i get the buffalo chicken pizza and they have this they call it the romano crust and it has it's basically just like salty oregano around the crust. I don't know how to explain it. Um, if you're near the spring area, Paul's Pizza Shop, awesome. Um, also, shout out uh, Brothers Pizza. 
Um, I think they have quite a few of those, but also a really good New York style slice. All right. So my favorite slice that I think I've ever had is from a place in Crested Butte called The Secret Stash. And there's a pizza on their menu called the Mac Daddy. And it is a Big Mac pizza. So they shave ribeye like really thin and put it on the pizza and bake it with Thousand Island dressing as like the the base um, with cheese and everything else with like cheddar and American cheese. And then after it comes out of the oven, they top it with lettuce and pickles and a little bit more uh, like Thousand Island dressing. And that That is amazing. That sounds really good. That sounds awesome. And and then a a pie that I can just like order. Um, I'm in the Austin area, so there's this place in Bee Cave called Za Pizza, just Z Z A, and they have they do a lot of really interesting pizzas, but they have this one that is like a Thai food pizza. That has like peanut Ooh. sauce on it and stuff. That sounds um, let me awesome. see what, what it's actually called. That um, sounds disturbing. it's called the Thai it's called the Thai dye. It's spicy peanut sauce, mozzarella, sweet pepper, chicken, peanuts, and sesame mix. And then it has like cilantro. It's fucking that incredible. sounds weird as fuck. <laughs> hey, well my, my pie I go to here in Houston is uh like if I can if I have the time, star pizza. Oh, yeah. And they have, a again, a Chicago-style Starburst, and I'll just add jalapenos to it. That shit's delicious. I like, I, it, um, it's not Chicago-level, but it's damn good. I like uh, Pink's Pizza, if we're talking about Houston pizza. Oh, Pink's. Pink's. Is fantastic. Yeah, I like Pink's. Yeah, yeah they Pink's have, a, yeah, they have a, a bacon pizza. Like, bacon is in the sauce. Um, yeah, what is it called? I've never tried that. My oh, kids yeah. Get, my like kids require pizza. Pink's. Once a week from us. I'm, I'm less of a fan, but it's, let me hear about this bacon thing. Oh, God, I can't even find it. Maybe it was like a limited time thing. But um, yeah, it had like bacon in the sauce, bacon in, bacon in the crust, bacon on the like in the cheese, like mixed with it. It was so good. And if, we're talking about, um, if we're talking about Austin pizza, oh, I Pine love House is great. House I like their pizza. beer, but Pine I House like is fantastic. Pizza. And of course, Electric Boston. Jellyfish is fucking cracked. It's so good. Oh, what's the beer? That, electric yeah. Jellyfish, right? Um, if you're if you're into juicy it's IPAs, good. it's uh, very it's good. Insane. It's, it's very the good best beer. one. Uh, so the, the okay, shitty pizza chain pizza. We have to we have to get onto this because none of all of us one. went either high end or right you know somewhere where pizza. if you're traveling you can go get a slice. What about like the out of the chains that are all over America? What what's your favorite chain? Right, so we're we're talking about like the Pizza Huts, Domino's, Papa John's. I think, of the world. I think Domino's changed their crust up recently, and they got like a garlicky type crust. Every like, I don't order that because if I'm ordering pizza, I'm going to get it from one of these like fancy places. Um, I'll show. I'll tell you this: if I show up somewhere and like say it's some like event, and hey, we order pizza and it's Papa John's, um, and they don't have the garlic butter, I'm going to leave. I fuck that. <laughs> I'm gonna leave. I like that's the only redeeming quality of that entire pizza. Otherwise, it is fucking cardboard with like melted cheese sticks. Wait, on top. you just bragged on Domino's and then accused Papa John's of cardboard. They're all garbage. They're all garbage. Uh, pizza I feel like I'm eating the box awesome. when I get Domino's. Yeah, pizza. Um, pizza's not terrible, I guess. But I'm the opposite, man. P- Papa John's. Give me the garlic oh, butter, but just if I can put butter. the stuff I like on it, it's fine. I will shout out the Papadia. 
So yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna blow everybody's mind. My fucking favorite is Little Caesars. Little Caesars is insane. Hot and it's ready, so bitch. Good. It's hot and ready. Hey, is it? Good? It's hot no, and ready. It's they hot have fucking pretzel crust. They have <laughs> yeah. pretzel crust. It's fucking insane. That shit is so good. Shout I hadn't out had it in years until last week. Our babysitter, or nanny, or whatever, ordered it for the kids, and I came in before I was going to go out with my wife, and it was sitting there, and I was like. I didn't even know where it was from, and I tasted it. I was like, this is really good. Where's it from? She said, oh, Little Caesars, and I was embarrassed. And it's $5. That's what's crazy. Like, yeah. I don't know how it's anybody $7 can be if you get, like, the pizza one or, like, the stuffed crust yeah. or whatever. But, but and still, then you got it, it's fucking... like a dollar for crazy bread? Yeah. No, yeah. Little Caesars is yeah. great. Yeah, Little Caesars, is, I mean, for what it is, well, like, just you know what you're another door. You have to open. You have to open that door. Frozen now we have to pizza. talk about and that's fine. either frozen or and or places ready. that you that's the that important you pick up free, <laughs> like not the uh, frozen like Sam's Club pizza or Costco, right? You know they Costco, have to bake. No, no, no. But Costco what's your favorite frozen or ready to bake pizza? It is Costco. Costco. So not only the pizza, so so it's different. So I'm a, I'm a loyal Costco member for years. And um, so they're frozen, like the ones that you buy, like you check out or whatever. Um, their cheese is trash. My kids eat that. Their pepperoni, frozen. They come in like a fucking four pack because it's Costco. Fantastic. It's so good. It is literally just covered in pepperonis. It is very good. And then for a little treat, if I'm shopping by myself, I'll just swing by the food court and you can either get the $1.50 hot dog and drink combo or a slice of pizza and their slice of pizza. It's not bad. It's it's edible. It's disturbing to think that RGB3 here uh, seems to get really excited about the concept of going to Costco <laughs> and slamming food in their their food court. Hey, you know what? That's dad life, baby. Sometimes you just got to you just got to fucking slam <laughs> a greasy slice of pizza before the wife gets home. It happens. I'll go, I'll go absurd for you when you ask this question in the frozen or whatever. I have two choices I would pick about any frozen type of pizza. One, pizza Totino's shitty pizza rolls or Tony's oh, pizza yeah. rolls. Or and then I'll I'll regret this. Give me a full-blown pepperoni or pizza hot pocket. In fact, give oh, yeah. me two. And I'm going to enjoy that a lot better than I'm going to enjoy like a DiGiorno or Red Baron or whatever. Hey, here's a secret. I'm going to change your life right here. So um, here's a secret uh, with the hot pocket. Put a little Franks on your hot pocket next time you eat it. Very good. Um, but with the pizza rolls. So I, I don't know where I saw this. I think my sister told me about it. But deep fry the pizza rolls. So you obviously you don't oh, throw them in fucking frozen. So deep fry the pizza rolls and then toss them in garlic butter and then they dip them in the Papa John's. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So now, yeah, now you got everything, but uh, yeah, toss them in garlic butter and try that. I tried it one time. We like dusted it with Parmesan cheese. You dip it in marinara. That's incredible. The point of the fat boy I can hear us getting fatter. This is a fat nice. boy minute. Uh, so my favorite frozen zone. pizzas yeah, are. We can talk for. Um, this is a free area for us to be fat. Ones from. As I long think you can as get them in H-E-B. They're called Midtown. Or Mid. Yeah. Midtown pizzas. Oh, yeah. They're Those fucking. Are good. They're really good. Um, yes. They're that really thin. They're like. Uh, what is it called? Napolitan or what? Yeah. Napolitan. Neapolitan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's fucking. But you could. Uh, that Italian. It's like Italian style pizza. Right, it's you thin crust, but like, not like shitty thin crust. I think you cook them for like eight minutes or something crazy. That's what shocked me with it was, um, like it was like turn the oven to like five fifty, 
and uh, but you cook it for like literally fucking eight minutes, where normally you cook it for like 20, 25 minutes. I'll say this worst pizza, hands down, in my opinion, that I've had in the past year, mod pizza. It's just nothingness. It's mod just tastes trash. Like, yeah. Doesn't matter what ingredients you add, it all tastes like bland nothing. I don't mind mod pizza. You just gotta, you can't go like, you have to che- treat it like a subway. Like, you need to pick all of your toppings perfectly. Like, you need to get salami on there. You you can't just go and, like, Dude, oh, fuck I want you. a cheese fuck pizza. You. It's because take, subway like, pizza, pizza, when they <laughs> had it, was <laughs> but, yeah, way fucking right. better than mod pizza. Subway <laughs> had pizza for a while. You don't remember that? Subway would, I like, did. you know, throw it in the, the microwave yep. thing. It was actually pretty fucking tasty. Mod pizza is trash. It is, it's absolute garbage. Yeah, Midtown Pizza, you preheat oven to 475 and you bake for seven minutes. Boom. That's wild. That's wild. Yep. <laughs> of course, it takes your oven minds. like an hour to get to 475. But <laughs> All right. And so with that, we will end the a wonderful season two, episode 22 of the Surly Horns podcast. Uh, hook them. Hook them. Yeah, hook them, guys.